Hey everybody, it is me, Gina Marie, co-founder of Mixed in the Six, and you are tuning in to the Mixed in the Six podcast, sharing stories and building community with my fellow mixed people. You are listening to part two of the Mix in the Six podcast, episode five with our guest, JJ Gerber, also known as John O'Josh. Hope you enjoy this part of the episode. So JJ, there's a lot happening right now in the world, and, and I don't want to glaze over what's happening. What's happening is police brutality, racism against Black people, black men in particular in this uh, state of the world with George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery. There's a a lot happening. I know this is, where do I go with this? But what are some things that you're, you've been reflecting on right now in this world? Yeah, there's been so much. It's, it's so much and it's not happening now, but it is happening now, Mm -hmm. which is an important thing to think about because I've gotten a lot of wonderful messages, wonderful, wonderful messages from allies and accomplices, as you may have heard that term rolling around recently. What, what's um, accomplices? What's that mean? Uh, the difference between an ally and an accomplice mm. is somebody who is an ally is just, they listen and they're receptive and they decide when they want to, you know, to be a part of the movement. And an accomplice is the one who's there helping you plan it and being vocal and, and being, out in the forefront right yeah and yeah i've got i've had a lot of wonderful messages from friends which has been really nice to be able to hear people say hey jj what can i do mm. but they often always start the same way they always start saying i'm so sorry for what's going on right now mm. and i completely understand that sentiment but it's not right now, as we know. This is something that we've, the Black people have been going through and Indigenous people have been going through for generations, yeah. for so long. And, and so like at first it almost feels triggering to hear that, to feel like, mm-hmm. oh, this is just a now problem because you guys see George Floyd and I'm so sorry about George Floyd. Like it, yeah. literally, I wept watching and thinking and knowing what his family must go through. And Breonna Taylor and Mm. And here in in Canada, Regis. what, what Regi- yeah, Regis, and I'm from yeah. Brampton, so we also have DeAndre, and and like I I remember seeing DeAndre on the news, and like and crying absolutely. My whole family, we sat here and we're just like, wow, this is so sad. Yeah, this is so heartbreaking. But this isn't a now conversation. This is a it's been going on mm. for time. I mean, you can go. You can go just recently, a couple of years ago, when Janelle Monet came out with a song, Hell, Hell You Tom Bout, uh, T-A-L-M-B-O-U-T, where she just listed names of people who were murdered by the police that year, you know? Mm-hmm. And at the same token, it is important to know that there is something different this time. Yeah. Yeah. There is something different this time. And so, like, for me, even though I felt, I may have felt a little bit triggered hearing, oh, yeah, this is, I'm so sorry about what's going on right now there is something going on right now. I, I had to check myself and think, mm-hmm. why is everybody saying, using the same verbiage? Is it because they're seeing it for the first time? And if that's true, that actually says something. Yeah. 
And, and I was also trying to work through my pain as well, because, you know, it's a lot of people of color have experienced racism over their lives. And I know you have, we've discussed this in the past and, and, and in this podcast, but you bury it. You just push it down and you show up to work the next day. Yeah. And you smile and you don't let it affect you so that you can keep your job so that you can not look like the loud black person that's in the room that, that, so you don't look like the friend who's always calling out their friends. It's like people, they hold on to this stuff and they don't talk about it even if they want to. And I'm not, I'm even talking about the people who actually vocally talk about it. They don't talk about it all the time. You know, sharing a post on Instagram or saying, or having a conversation about something is not talking about all the countless amount of deaths and racist acts that have happened in our lives. It is being selective and saying, this is what I'm going to specifically say. And so I think that's one of the things that calls out what's going on right now is that we're being seen for what feels like the first time. And being seen, it draws out all of these emotions. And I know for me, it, it's been like therapy where you just relive these wounds that you're going through. And, and yes, by the end of it, you have a bit more strength, but while you're going through it, it is traumatic. Mm-hmm. And that's why it is happening right now because people are currently reliving all of their trauma that they've gone through for people who are willing to listen. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, wow. Thank you, JJ. That's mm-hmm. I, I that's so what the people out there who are well, everyone you know can really benefit from hearing what you just said and, and also just kind of understanding for those of us who want to be allies or now accomplices, right? It's like really understanding that emotional weight that's happening, not just right now, it's been, it's always been there. It's just now it's, it's kind of coming out in a different way. And uh, I don't know how- We're taking the lid off. Yeah, yeah, taking the lid off, right. And so like, you know, I really appreciated what you said, because I also started off with the question, like, this is happening right now. I'm like, no, this has been happening for years. Like, I've had to check my own stuff where I'm like, this isn't new. And, And then- um, when you were talking about people reaching out to you and, and kind of checking in and saying, I'm sorry for what's happening. It's like, that's also like a. It's wonderful is yeah. what it is, but it doesn't discount that it is hard to relive yeah. everything. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have heard from many people that, that they're tired of having to explain racism and mm-hmm. I'm tired of having to explain racism yeah. exactly. and just. It is exhausting having to just say, this is something I've gone to, gone through, mm-hmm. so that somebody believes that it exists. Like sharing your story is a way of helping people understand this exists. And it is exhausting doing that. But I've realized that right now, while people are listening, I cannot be silent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, can't, I know that it hurts to have to educate, but I have to do it mm-hmm. because I want a better tomorrow. Yeah. The the need to the desire to to speak up is greater than perhaps the the pain that it takes to to do it. Yeah. 
is what I'm yeah. hearing. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And, and, and I mean, it's been a battle at times, if I'm being honest, because you feel this weight and it starts pulling you down and you're like, okay, I need to find a way out of that so that I can find my voice again. And so one thing that I've been doing is I've been trying to celebrate black artists and black mm-hmm. culture. Um, I've been finding TV shows that celebrate black culture and not just tokenize it, but actually put it unadulterated on the screen to show what it is. And I've been listening to black artists who unadulterated speak their minds and their voices in their purest form. And that's been giving me some joy, some joy. Honestly, it's been giving me a lot of joy Mm. in between all of this struggle. Um, So, I mean, I definitely say to anyone who's listening to this podcast, because I know that it's not just black people who are hurting listening to this. I know that a lot of white people and, and other colors are, are listening to this and are seeing the racism that's happening. They're saying, wow, this is ridiculous. I can't believe this. I don't want to believe this, but I have to believe this. And it is adding this weight. Mm-hmm. Take that weight and realize that it's a chance for you to be able to celebrate what is good about each of us individually. Mm-hmm. Turn, twist that. Take it out of the hate. Take it out of the hate and use it for something good. You can do that. You can easily shift this to a a positive thing. You can, I mean, as you see hate, you can combat it with love. You can combat it with with life and good energy. And it is so hard to do that when you're working in a place of pain. And I know because I've been working in that place of pain. I, I absolutely have. And it is an ongoing battle every day, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I hear that. Yeah. So in focusing on trying to add something positive to, to this, I am so happy that people are protesting. Mm-hmm. I know there is there are mon- multiple voices in our media trying to spin stories, trying to get headlines. And and you have Republicans saying one thing and Republicans who are denying what those Republicans are saying. I mean, here in Canada, I, I have seen Christian people who are, like I'm Christian myself, and people who go to my, to my church saying all lives matter and, and like trying to silence these conversations and saying reasons, like trying to, trying to push reasons for why you shouldn't support BLM. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's definitely a dichotomizing time. It really is. Silence speaks so many volumes right now yeah Uh, to anyone who hasn't voiced their opinion because i don't know what the reasons are maybe you're afraid that someone's going to judge your opinion or or judge you for for speaking out or being a part of the conversation or or maybe you're afraid of of somebody thinking that because you're white that you can't have a voice in this Every person has a voice mm-hmm. and it's up to you to decide if you're going to use it to diminish someone else's voice or to empower each other. Yeah. Beautiful. And, and silence is actually saying more than, than a lot of people are than you think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said something really profound there is, is also that the, yeah, the silence is saying a lot there's also ways that perhaps white people or, or non-black folks right now, like maybe don't really know what to do or what to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you, what would be a call to action for people? A call to action. Yeah, absolutely. 
there's so much available for you to see and, and learn. There's so many amazing peer evaluated studies that you can read. Mm -hmm. uh, if, you, if you're Canadian and you just go and Google the Canadian Encyclopedia, it has a very accurate history. I mean, it's our encyclopedia. It's, it's, it's pretty in depth on what Canadians have gone through here, like what, what, what we've gone through and what we're still going through. If you want to educate yourself so that you can have a voice on this, you can. You are one click away. Mm -hmm. I mean, feel free to message me. I'm happy to, to send links. If you'd like to, you can go check out uh, the documentary, There's Something in the Water, which just came out in April here in Canada. Netflix is saying it came out in September. That's because it was shown in TIFF in September, but they added changes to it to make it more current. Um, it's not talking about police brutality, but it is talking about environmental racism towards indigenous and black communities in Canada. Yes, yes. Very real. That was, uh, I was done by Ellen Page. Fantastic to watch. Um, for me, I'm, I'm a part of the, of uh, the theater community and there is this amazing hashtag that's happening right now called inside the dressing room, mm -hmm. which is talking about, it's, it was try, it's specifically trying to give a voice to black actors and, and black, and it, well, POC actually, it's not even just black. People of all colors are, are speaking up and it's amazing. They're, they're telling their story, which is hard for them to do. They're really speaking out in courage and, and sharing what they've gone through at different theater companies working in Canada specifically. And, and it's, it is very scary because they're saying things that could easily yeah. get them to not be hired ever again they are putting their neck on the line by sharing these stories mm -hmm. and there's tons of them you can go to facebook you can go to instagram you can go to twitter people are sharing this on all platforms and and being very open about it it's it's very empowering and it's beautiful to watch and it's hard to watch and it's heavy it's it's really heavy that's something that's that started on 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 june 6th um with stratford's Black Like Me week, mm. where they wanted to give a voice to, to black actors, and they had a, an amazing forum. You can you can see a live forum similar to this on YouTube called Black Like Me uh, at Stratford to it, and you'll see an amazing couple hours that they that they had some of the best actors, and they also had Kimberly Rampersad, who's the artistic director of Shaw, amazing black professionals behind the scenes too. Miss um, Croft, she was amazing. She spoke so eloquently. Uh, there are so many resources if you want to be educated. And it is time to do your own research. Mm -hmm. I'm absolutely happy to help and push you towards where you can go to, to listen to people who are, who are speaking very passionately about this. But it's time to do research and understand the conversation so that you can have a voice. Mm -hmm. And to know that if you make a mistake, that's okay. If you are genuinely trying to to listen to these voices and, and actually be a part of the conversation, people make mistakes. And I think we are understanding that today. And, and I know that there's this whole cancel culture that we've been a part of over the past few years. And, and right now is, is the time for everyone to take a breath and understand we are trying to learn. We are all trying to understand what's going on. And, and as you educate yourself, understand the gravity of what this education does. It's the difference between somebody being kneeled on to death and somebody 
staying alive and actually being able to have their day in court, mm. you know? So, so understand that that journey is a hard journey and that as you take time to either ignore it or deny that the journey's even happening, this is still the state of affairs that we're in. Mm -hmm. It hasn't changed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Letting that sink in for a minute. It, it's the work. You're so generous, JJ, to offer, you know, people to reach out to you. Well, also, I've also heard across the, the internet that, you know, it's, this isn't a problem that black people need to fix, right? Or reaching out and asking for resources. This is what I've also heard from others that, you know, it's, you know, you, yes, we want to be having conversations with everybody uh, and not turning, a, you know, a silent or, you know, blind eye to, to the people around us who can help us, like, you know, reaching out to you or reaching out to someone else. But also, like, there, you, you said something really important. It's like, there is so much information out there. There's now, there's, there's all kinds of, of links and videos and things that you described and I'd love to be able to share those, uh, you know, across the mix and the six platform, which I have been doing my best to, uh, and that it's, it's, it, this is worthwhile work because it, despite it being hard and despite it being, uh, you know, maybe a whole like Pandora's box that people might not have ever opened before, but that it could, it can save lives. This movement, uh, that's what I got from what and shared. I need to add to that as well. Yeah. That something mentioned, uh, Cheryl Namhart, I was listening to her mm -hmm. speak on this yesterday. She had some amazing words to say. And one of the things that really stuck with me from what she said is that it's important to understand that this is a grieving process mm -hmm. and grieving takes time and it's not on us to say when you're done grieving. And so it's important to know that as you reach out in humility, asking for understanding or whatnot, or searching on your own, that people may not be ready to share that with you. Yeah. And that's okay. They need the space to grieve. We need the space to grieve as a collective. We do, you know, mm -hmm. and I mean, I'm, I'm happy to, to share and help, but it's not to say that because someone else isn't ready to do that, that they're in the wrong at all. Yeah. That, that, that's not to say that I'm not trying to shame anybody who is not ready to, to share links like this because they're on their own journey. They're, they're going through something and they're opening it up again. They're yeah. opening these wounds up again. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's dealing with this differently. And I mean, dealing with it, such a, a weak word to say it, but I'm, I'm curious to, for those listening who might not understand, and if it's okay, like hopefully this is, this is kind of the more of a heavier kind of piece around it. It's, it's like that under having other people listening who don't understand what it's like to be black and to, to live in this world, you know, and have that, that sense of safety that, that's just not there like for others. There's that, there's trauma. There is a heaviness around it. And I'm, I'm wondering if there's a way that we could describe that to white folks and non-black and non-indigenous people so that they can understand more fully. What I mean, the tip of the iceberg is mm -hmm. what we're, 
what I don't know what I don't know exactly when this podcast is going to come out. We're we're currently uh, what day is it today? June June eighth. June eighth today. Yep. And we've been seeing coverage on the news about this for for not that long, if you be honest. But but you're starting to feel it's been two weeks, but you're starting to feel like it's been a while Mm -hmm. because it's what everybody's talking about. You're starting to feel like this is, you know, and and I'm already starting to hear people say, okay, let's get back to talking about other things. Okay. Mm -hmm. When are these protests going to stop so we can go back to life? Okay. When, when is this going to be over with? Is you know what I mean? That feeling is dead on the money. It's like, it is so close. It, I mean, it's, it's skewed. Don't get me wrong. It is different, but it is very similar to what we're feeling, I, to some, what some of us are feeling. We're feeling this feeling of, okay, when will this ever end? Mm-hmm. The difference is that we've had that for our whole lives, not for two weeks. It, isn't, it hasn't been two weeks for us. We've been dealing with this ever since we understood. I mean, ever since our parents gave us the, the talk of this is what it means to be your color. Mm. You know, this is how you need to be, how do you need, how you need to act around police so that you don't get shot. You know, mm. that that's the, the feeling has always been, okay, when can I relax? When can I take a breath? When can I stop having to think about this? And it hasn't happened yet. Mm. Yeah. That, Yeah. That, that constant thought that always has to be considered wherever you go, that people with privilege, white privilege, don't have that. We don't have to be thinking about when is it okay to relax and to breathe. And I think that's an important note for people to understand is that we'll, we don't, we'll never understand. We won't get it. Uh, but we can start to understand at least in some way and bring that compassion. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope so. And I think, I think a lot of people are, are trying to, are trying and that's the mm-hmm. most important thing. And that's what we ask, you know, and, and use your white privilege, use it. I stand it. Honestly, I celebrate you. If you are using your white privilege to speak out against racism, I applaud you. I thank you. Mm. And I know that there are many who are hurt. I know that there are many who are hurt. I'm, I'm hurt that, that my voice is, is devalued to a degree that a white voice saying the exact same things as mine will be heard amplified louder. Mm. That is that is currently the state of affairs. So we know that already. We know that that is how our society is working. Yeah. So use it. So use it. This is the time to say, okay, you know what? I have this. I can use it. How am I going to do that? How am I going to, to be a part of this? Mm. Yeah, it's a really empowering stance to be like, you don't have to stay silent on this. You can, if you want to do something, you have... You have it. You have agency. Agency, yeah. JJ, as a as a mixed black soul <laughs> in this world, what is what is it like for you in in like raising your voice and when navigating 
the, like, I, I know it, this is not anything new, racism, police brutality, but I guess in the present day, um, what reflections have you had being mixed? It's, it's interesting. I see the shadism, no question. Mm-hmm. Uh, shadism, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, we're talking about the, the universal brown paper, paper bag test. That if you are lighter than a brown paper bag, then you're going to get more opportunities than somebody who is not. Mm. Okay. And that exists. That 100% exists. I have white privilege. I have white privilege. And that is important for me to say and to, to understand and to focus on being able to amplify black voices. And so, I mean, in, in this time, I've done a lot of listening, a lot of listening on what my black peers are saying and, and how I can be a part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And not diminishing my voice and doing that, just listening and saying, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I want to actually be a part of what you're saying. You know, and I think that's an important thing for all people. And, and, it, and at the same time, they've invited me into the conversation as they want, as they are also inviting white people into the conversation, as they're also inviting Asians into the conversation. All people are invited into this conversation, mm-hmm. you know? So being mixed, for me, I feel like in some ways a bridge but not fully, but like a bridge to some degree that's, that is that is them almost like, in some cases I've been a sounding board so that people can be like, all right, so how does how do the white people in your area feel about this? You know, because I have these white connections that are, that are different to some of the connections that they might have. I mean, in Canada, we all have multicultural connections. This is what it is. Mm-hmm. In the black community, you know, I don't know any black people that don't hang out with lots of white people too. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> we, we are, a multicultural society Definitely. and and if and honestly if you don't have a black friend or a, an asian friend if you don't if you don't have any diversity in your group that's very surprising mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is, questionable <laughs> it's also questionable <laughs> exactly like, okay why is that yeah. yeah yeah if you don't have any black voices in your life that you can go and listen to and you can actually go and and ask questions about this too yeah. You should, you should check yourself a hundred percent. You should. Yeah. Um, and so in some ways I felt like a bridge mm-hmm. so that they could be able to actually voice themselves. And, and I hope that I've been able to be helpful in that way. And, but I also know that I have a voice myself and I can't deny that either. And, and I know that I've experienced police brutality for the color of my skin mm-hmm. as well. And so I've spoken out on that, you know, I've, I know that in my industry, there's there's been people who've been very upset about me getting roles because of the color of my skin. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, and 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 so this is my conversation as much as it is everybody else's. Yeah. Um, I think it's important that we just don't stay silent and we don't let the color of our skin decide that we're not going to be able to join the conversation at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. For other mixed folks, particularly mixed Black folks who are listening, is there, I mean, what you just said is also really poignant, but also is there like a message or like also a call to action for them that you would want to to hit home? 
because I've seen some stuff online where there's like forums where it's like, should mixed black people, you know, have a right to be involved and things like that. So people are asking these questions. I'm curious to know what you would want to tell. I absolutely think that everyone should be involved in this conversation. I 100% think that the mixed black people should be involved in this conversation. Uh, I think that mixed people of all colors should be involved in this conversation. Um, You should be looking at, we should all be looking at our own lives, Mm -hmm. being introspective and try to, to open ourselves up to things that we haven't thought about before and try to find ways to make positive change in our surroundings and use this moment as, as a bridge to the people that you maybe have shut off before. The, use this moment as a chance to, to start a conversation that's hard, that will make it so somebody will actually listen. Yeah. All of us need to band together, united. Yeah. I know that sounds a little like Pollyanna or what have you. Or, I actually don't or, even know what that means. They're like, yeah. From the Grinch. Yeah, like, but, super, it's, but it's true but though. Yeah, and it's so, I think it's so important that, again, it's it's not just black people and white people and mixed mm-hmm. black people it's everybody everybody yes. can be a part of the solution we might not have all the answers we might not do it all right and we might make mistakes most likely we will mistake we will make mistakes there's also like recognizing where we have made mistakes that's like the fr- i think that was that's been part of the first step for me was like being checking my own privilege, recognizing where I had been like complicit in, you know, racism. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to be, set the example. It's like things where I might've just turned the blind eye or have had certain thoughts that were like kind of kind of passed down to me. I, I grew, you know, as I've mentioned, I grew up in a predominantly white town and then you know, also recognizing my own fragility. The, um, again, I will not take credit for this word. Sarah, a woman named Sarah who runs at Mixed Bloom Room on Instagram has uh, shared this mixed fragility (laughs) term where it's like, where maybe some mixed people are not recognizing our own privilege. I'll let her come on the show and describe it in more detail. But I've I've been connecting and, and tapping into that and being like, okay, where could those, where could that be maybe dangerous or not helpful to the conversation and, and owning that um, and then doing work and reading and, and uh, trying to I, educate myself. I, yeah. I think the biggest thing, which is so obvious when you look at it from, from a distance, when you see someone else do it, it, this is really obvious, but when it happens to you, for some reason, we as people just don't want to see it. Mm. When someone calls you out for something, don't take that to mean that they're canceling you. Right. Instead, take that to mean, I need to maybe have an introspective moment here and ask the question, why are they calling me out for this? Mm. And is there any part of this that could be true? And if 
there are parts that could be true about this. How can I make a change and join with the person who called me out and say thank you and continue in the journey? That is, it's, it seems like such a basic thing like for toddlers to figure out, but that is the definition of why racism still exists is because a lot of people today, I'm, I'm experiencing this in my friend groups, They'll, they would have done some work to not be racist or to, to include black people in the conversation or include a specific race in the conversation. And they'll think, I did my duty, that's it, I'm perfect. I mm. did something not racist, I did something anti-racist, we're perfect, we've done it. Hoorah me. And then they do something else, myself included, that does not stand up. And somebody calls them out, calls me out, and immediately I feel like, oh, but I don't you know I did that thing? Mm -hmm. I, I, I had that black friend. I, I shared that black post. Don't you remember? I did that. I did that, you know? Our egos are such strong things. It's especially right now, it's hard to shed the ego and to understand that maybe I'm not always right. Yeah, yeah. Whew. Yeah, that ego likes to come in and be like, no, 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 I'm okay. I, I did this one. Yeah. I, <laughs> I did this one thing, which <laughs> makes me like, okay. Like what, what there's, um, trying to remember. It's like, it's one thing to be not racist, but another thing to be anti-racist. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I think kind of speaks to like, you can do the lip service to say like, oh no, but I did this thing and I have like black friends or I do this and that, but the anti-racist part and, and, you know, feel free to add to this, but what I'm hearing is that that's that, that, that uncomfortable looking yourself in the mirror and always unlearning and, and checking yourself when, just when you think you, you, you're, you're, you're not racist. Yeah. <laughs> there's absolutely. more work to do and that's okay. Like, it's okay. It doesn't mean you're a bad person, right? We're, we, we just, live in a society, we live, we literally, we live in a racist society. That's, that's also another thing we have to identify. And that's well, what's coming yeah. through in the, in the, in the masses and the collective. It's like, oh, hey, you know, we all of us just been sitting here saying we're not racist, but we don't want to actually, we live in a racist society. So what are we going to do? How are we going to change? We can't just do it alone. Um, and the, and the thing is, is that we, we don't just live in a racist society, but we are tribal peoples mm, in general, Yeah, which is hard to think about in terms of racism because at times you can push other people down as you're pushed down. And so you're just like, oh no, you might be pushing us down, but I'm gonna say that we're better than this group. Uh, a great example of this is I live in Brampton and a lot of people love to talk down about Brampton mm. and say that it's like the worst part of the GCA and, and make fun of it for having a lot of brown people who I love yeah. and for its a lot of people make fun of it for these things, which are, to be honest, are some of my favorite parts of reasons to live in Brampton, personally. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love Indian food. But I definitely heard every, t every term in the book for living here and saying, why don't you move out of there? Why don't you get out of there? You know, that's the worst place to be. I can't believe you would possibly live there. And there's so many racist undertones to this, mm -hmm. you know? And so living here, I feel that, but like I, I felt that bubble looking at like the Toronto community looking at Brampton being like you shouldn't be there you know the same way they used to look at Scarborough for having a large predominantly black community you know it's 
it's these tendencies that were unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also living in Brampton, we would do the same thing about other communities. Mm. We would say, okay, you know what? We're being pushed down. So we're going to look at Malton and start making fun of them for some reason, you know? And, and we're going to find the things that we don't like. It's this, it's this level of tribalism that we do unconsciously and, and consciously that we need to call out in ourselves. That we, need to, that we need to look at and say, why is my friend group doing this? Why are, why are we banding together against this thing? Why do we think that that's lesser? Because yeah. that starts to bring us to the root of why racism exists in the first place. As we start to, to, to think of things that are derogatory about places and things and whatnot, you have to tie that to race. You have to understand this was created by this. Is this are you saying that because you don't like curry, you don't like these cultures that support curry? You know what I mean? Like, is this a thing? Are you saying, oh, because you don't like slanted faces that you don't like cultures that have slanted faces, like slanted eyes, right? That's, that is a real, a real thing to think about on so many levels that we don't think on, on a subconscious. You have to actually take the time to be mm-hmm. introspective. And when somebody calls you out for saying something like that, to be able to be like, oh, yeah, I said that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and be like, ouch. Yeah. And not to get on the, to jump so quick to be on the defensive and be like, actually, shit. Yeah. I did say that. Like, where is that coming from? And owning it. Yeah. And, and also having, taking a moment to be like, okay, well, where did that come from? Right. I, I, I saw a post, I don't know if it was real or not, but it was a post about, it was a white fellow with a big beard and he was like, I am a racist. And in the post, he talks about what that he, how how he grew up. This is kind of going on a little like just kind of this is American fellow, I believe, but how he grew up in in uh, obviously very predominantly white place in like a religious environment, and he went in and just explained everything that was taught to him that led him to believe that that you know being white was just better than everyone else and like you know and all the work that it took to just scratch the surface to to not be that way um i read that and i was like wow that's brave uh to say that but also like okay like if you know if this guy can admit to it we we, we ain't good we all, we're not that you know we can we can do that too yeah Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think that we need to stop thinking of racism as an us and them problem yeah. and as a, as a global problem, as an everybody problem. Mm-hmm. That as we lead by example for, for trying to quell the racist tendencies in our own beings, that is what will stop mm-hmm. racism on a hold. Yeah. Yeah. That it's, it's not just one person. It's all of us together doing our own inner work and and being being a part of this shift movement this shift yeah yeah and, and that me me saying that i am not trying to to downplay what is happening in the protests mm-hmm. i 100% 100% support people going out and being active parts of the change actively standing up and speaking out and making signs and peacefully showing their support for this I think that that is needed. And that's the only way that we've seen change happen in North America. And so anybody who's saying that protests are rioters and looters and that they're, and they're, they're trying to distract you from the message, 
Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It's, it's just a distraction. Yeah. That's important. It is just a distraction. Yeah. They, they, as you speak truth, people will hear it if they want to listen. If, they're, if, if you keep speaking truth, people will start to hear it. Yeah. It's a slow chipping away. Yeah. 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 (laughs) We're like all just chipping away, but if we all chip away at it, we'll, we'll make a big dent. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yes. I, yeah, I have read that as well, that it's, yeah, we're in it for the long game, you know, big, Mm. big, massive changes. They happen, but they, they happen gradually Mm. over time with a lot of consistent effort, nonstop effort. And, you know, kind of bringing this all together is that, you know, Anti-black racism is not new. It stems deep, you know, and I'm, I'm learning more and more and, and not an expert on it, but I, like, I, I can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, if, if this means, you know, that right now, right now, that this generation, like our generation has an opportunity to, to take a stand to, to, that it's it's not just it's not just the Black Lives Matter group, for instance, that that's trying to make a change. Like we're all got to join in to to make us this step forward. And <sighs> yeah, and yes, I, I absolutely agree. I 100% agree. I and I look and I see the things that are happening. I see Trudeau taking a knee, and I say thank you for that gesture. But we also do need change. Yeah. We need more than a gesture. I thank him for that gesture, but we need more than a gesture. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. it really, I'm, yeah, I know we're kind of taught a lot of what we've mentioned and what you've shared uh, so eloquently, JJ. It's like the, 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 pers- like the personal work and the reflections and what can individuals do and, mm-hmm. and groups as well. From like a systemic. Yes. That's, that's a whole other can of worms. Or it's, I mean, it's, yeah. I, I'm, it's all related, but I'm... It's all related. Yeah, it's all related. Not can, can of worms, but, you um, know, <laughs> what do you think well, about? Yeah, I mean, I think, that I, I absolutely think that that's an important conversation to be had. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I mean, I don't know when we're going to be posting this. It might change by the time this yeah, comes out. But a lot of people right now are talking about defunding the police. And, yeah. and, and I feel a lot of white people getting like... Yeah. Oh my goodness. You can't defund the police. I mean, you have to look at the history of the police in general to understand where this one comes from. Yeah. And that, that, that the policing bodies in North America were created for the sole purpose of capturing slaves and oh. bringing them back to their masters. And so that is a huge part of the system in general. And and even in Canada, capturing indentured servants. That was, and, and slaves before they were indentured servants, because a lot of people try to say slavery didn't exist in Canada. It existed in Canada, mm-hmm. 100% existed in Canada. And, and systemic racism existed in Canada. Um, it exists in Canada. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It exists in, in Canada. 100% it exists currently in Canada. Um, but I, what, I, what I was meaning is on similar levels to what we see in the States, what we saw in the States, we had s- segregated schools, mm-hmm. you know? We, yeah, we the residential had, schools. I, I'm not talking about the residential schools. Mm. We also had black segregated schools. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We did. I just saw that. Yeah. 
I didn't I'm not sure if I mentioned this in the in the earlier part of the podcast we were having, but, but yeah, I mean, uh, in Ontario, the last segregated black school closed in in 1965, and and in and in Halifax, the last segregated black school closed in 1985, 1984. Sorry, it was the Lincolnville School. Wow. Yeah. So, so these are not old conversations. Yeah. That that are a part of our history. These are all still a part of us but we pretend like they don't exist we or we just don't know that they exist a lot of canadians are like because we did it first because we got out of this first we're out of it that's not how it works Mm -hmm. you can say you're going to try and change something but there's still a lot of ooze and mess you have to work through after you make the decision that we're going to change it Mm -hmm. and that's why i say it's so nice to have a gesture from trudeau but now we got to work through the ooze and actually change it yeah not yeah. enough, right? Um, I mean, personally, this is my opinion. I, I think that a smart thing to stop police killings of anyone who has a mental disorder. Yes, um, thank you. Is is to have somebody who is a psychiatrist in the room first. Mm-hmm. These people who've been who called the police asking for help. Mm. were very clear in every case that they had someone with a mental disorder and they could have had someone who was a psychiatrist there to help but instead we had the police show up first and i'm not trying to say that police shouldn't be in the in the question at all i'm not trying to say that Mm -hmm. what i'm saying is if if you have somebody who has studied their entire career how to work with the mind, what it is to have a mental breakdown or an episode, you will have far more experience and know-how on how to deal with it. And your first thing won't be to violence. Your first step won't be to violence. It just won't. So we need these people, we need these people there as the first responders who are, who are then gonna be the ones who actually, when they feel that it's, that it's too dangerous, then they'll call to somebody who, who would have to have physical restraint. And, and I think that across the board, anybody who is seeing that would be able to say, okay, yeah, you know what? I understood that the psychiatrist said that we needed somebody to actually come in and help, that they were scared for their life or something, you know? Like that's, that's a very real thing to be able to, to t- talk about. Yeah, no, thank you so much for bringing that up because that was my like next thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're so simpatico. So I'm, I'm a mental health clinician and I was, really yeah I mean we were all impacted by um the story of Regis and her family and that they were had called because it was a mental health emergency I mean yeah who knows who knows like that you know that it really she represents someone I might have worked with our team might have worked with right um and so I just wanted to to just to share that's you know a, a, an industry or area that I work in and you know we we have called for wellness checks, like our people on our on my team have called to do a wellness check where the police go out and check on someone. Now, if you are a white person and you have a wellness check and you go there, you are very unlikely going to an experience a negative experience. I mean, okay, I, I don't want to say that, but like you are way at far less at risk for anything going awry. Whereas if it's uh, a person in a you know black or brown body like that is real that is real but it's like a wellness check is going to be done by the police 
okay, cool. There are mobile crisis units, but there's not enough of them. Mobile crisis units are like where it's a, a psychiatric nurse with a police officer, but that is not what is across the board and is available for, for everything, right? If you, when we are working with clients on crisis plans, we're, we're, you know, we always want to work on everything by steps. It's like, if you're feeling unwell, like what's the first thing that you'll notice and what's the first thing that you do? So it doesn't escalate into a crisis, right? That's for, for those people out there who have psychiatric disorders and have people who are supporting them. But for those who do not, might not have a plan in place. And so anyway, back to the plan is, is that we always tell people that, you know, call 911 if you're really feeling at risk or at harm, but, or, or worried about your safety. And that's what we'll, we'll share with other people as well, like their supports. And then otherwise for other people out there in the, in the universe who don't have supports, like calling the police is like the only thing, but, but now, but, but was it, has it, was this the best solution? Is this the best that we can offer people? No, mm-hmm. it's not. I, and I, but it's what we've gotten in the habit because that's all that we have in the system is to, okay, well, you know, we can do wellness check. You can call a mobile crisis unit, but the fastest people who are going to get there are, are, you know, call 911 and call the police, right? Yeah. It's, it's and, and then now with this happening, with it being in the news, I'm not going to say this is happening as it's never happened before. It's just in the news. When we think about our, our clients and we tell people to call the police if they're not feeling well, well, you know, if they're, if they identify as, as black or a POC, how safe are they going to be to call 911 when they're not feeling well or to call for the police? Yeah. Like that's so that I just wanted to share that from, from where I'm standing in, as a mental Absolutely. health physician. And I agree with you. At first, when I was like, defund the police, I was like, wait, what does that mean? You mean like get rid of the police? But it's like their budget is massive and mental health services are so in need, particularly the ones where you're going out and meeting people where they're at with the right training, with people who know how to de-escalate and who have that expertise in, in in working with and collaborating with people who are in crisis, the police are not equipped. I'm going to just say that. I don't care. The police are not the best people. There are, there's some really great police officers out there, but but it's not a health, it's not a healthcare service. It's not, it's not a hard thing to put one and two together and make three. Exactly. They've been trained for so many different things for these extreme circumstances that are used, that are always ending up in violence. So that's, yeah. that's what they're trained for. They're trained for the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. So when you're trained for the worst case scenario, you're always going to be looking for the worst case scenario. Exactly. And, and that's not me trying to slam the police. That is, that is me trying to say, if I'm always looking for the, for, for the worst case scenario, I'm going to find it and I'm going to mm-hmm. turn it into that. If I want to start an argument with somebody, if I'm looking, if I think that somebody is always going to start an argument with me, we're probably going to start an argument. Yeah. Like that, that's a scary thing. And so, and, and yes, their training is not as much as somebody who's been studying this their entire career. Yeah. That, like a couple units is fantastic to help a bit, but that's not expertise. Right. It's like, they're there for like, if things go real mm-hmm. south, like they're trained. I mean, I'm not familiar with police training, but you know, I pretty confident there are trained for 
yeah, we're exactly what you said. Worst case scenario and like armed combat, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, someone. Like, I'm not saying that they haven't had any units on on mm-hmm. how to deal with people who are in in, in episodic moments. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, if you're looking for somebody who's going to be the best person to help those people, I would immediately go to the person who's had their entire training based around that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh, if we can get that, that would be like one step in the right direction. One step. One step even. Yeah, one yeah. step. I, and I, I don't know the numbers, but I did see like somewhere where it was like, you know, 10% of the police budget currently would go towards do I'm I'm just I'm just regurgitating what I think I read. But like a small percentage of like the this past year's police budget, if it went to mental health services it would be like an enormous amount of money like it would be millions and millions of dollars and Mm -hmm. uh you know if that can go towards the not just better supports but the most appropriate the needed the The most appropriate yeah that's the way to say it absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. and it's not just a convenience thing it's like that is going to save lives it's what people deserve oh. i mean it's yeah if, if somebody needs water you don't give them a book <laughs> you know like that's what it is yeah yeah <laughs> go read yeah. about water no. <laughs> right water. Yeah. yeah yeah i know here's some information about water here you go yeah. The, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's so, <laughs> yeah. I'm thank you for, thank you for bringing up the conversation about mental health. And of course I could probably talk about it until the cows come home. Um, and and well, I think I, it's really important to have that conversation. Yeah. But, and, and to be, and to be clear that that is a separate conversation from police racism and brutality. Those yeah. are two separate things yeah. that we brought up. And the reason I brought up that conversation specifically is because here in Canada, we've been, ha- we've been discussing Regis and we've been discussing mm-hmm. DeAndre. And also Andrew Loku. Andrew Loku. Yeah. And like, there's, there's so many people that are going through this, mm-hmm. that so many families that are devastated and, and it's hard to have this conversation without bringing this into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, it's, it's all about the systems too. I mean, I, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot there in terms of the systemic ingrained racism. That's, I, I mean, we could keep on, we could talk about a lot of things, but I, you brought up earlier the environmental racism. Um, someone that will, will be on the show uh, stay tuned. Uh, Rima Tavares men talked about awesome. racism. Yeah. So it was really key. And I think just uh, for educational purposes and for people to be enlightened about what how the implications are, is like that redlining um, in, I, I, I know it was in the United States. I'm just going to say it was probably here in Canada too. I haven't done like the full research, but that when um, in, in, Hall- in uh, Africa town in Nova Scotia, yeah. Uh, Africaville, sorry. Yeah, that's, it absolutely happened. They were literally forced into certain areas. Yeah. And in Ontario, they were not allowed to, to live in certain areas. That's, that's why areas like Jamestown exist in, in Canada and, mm. and 
Jane and Finch. That's why these areas exist. We are living the repercussions of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And for folks who yeah. were, were forced to live in those areas, um, banks were not like, you know, they wouldn't give them loans and mortgages like based on that based on that criteria. And uh, I, again, I'll just say for those who are interested, and I hope everyone is, to just Google redlining and understand and kind of read about it to get more information that that's, you know, that puts people at a disadvantage and it's completely, it's completely racist. It's unfair. It absolutely is. I mean, or, or you can just look at insurance prices by where you live here, mm-hmm. here in Canada, literally in Ontario, depending on what street you live on. And you can tell because you go to the street and you're like, oh, this is a multicultural street. So therefore it's going to have less than the, the black street that's, that's over there. Literally mm-hmm. you just put, and it's, this is some, this is something that every Canadian can do. They can go online, type in an address and find out what their insurance is going to be just from where they live. Oh, wow. And, how it goes up for me living in Brampton it's literally $500 a month as a man and I have zero priors and I've been driving for 10 years and if I go two blocks across the street to be in Caledon it goes down to $120 a month <sighs> like that's, 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 uh, and that's literally two blocks like that's I'm not talking like like a huge dis- distance you know so mm-hmm. anyway mm-hmm. yeah so Good conversations. Still yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's still, yeah. We're like, whoa. Right. It's not like a thing of the past. It's like real. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's so yeah. much change that needs to be done. And, you know, we, you know, it starts, it starts with us, right? We, we can do that inner work, the introspection, the learning, the unlearning, the education, asking questions, getting curious and checking ourselves while also you know, this is a time where, you know, we can galvanize our efforts and, and there are groups and collectives and all of us together can, like, I mean, that's how revolutions happen is being like, we demand more because the government and the police, they work for us, <laughs> right? We're, we, we paid, yeah. we actually pay for them. So we have a right to stand up towards what, stand up for what we want to see and i think all of us want to see change Mm -hmm. we all we all do and if you don't then (laughs) i wish you well (laughs) and i wish you would (laughs) (laughs) i'm wondering if there's other any final thoughts around this topic that you want to make sure you you share with I think I want to end on the note of remember that fighting racism is an ongoing battle that will not end after these protests end. It is an ongoing internal battle mm-hmm. that will not end after these protests end. And even if you succeed today, know that it's okay if you fail tomorrow and you start trying to succeed again and again and again. Yeah. Thank you, JJ. <sighs> it's always amazing talking to you. <laughs> You're so wise. Uh, and kind of coming to the end, I'm always ask people the same two questions and feel free to answer if, or, or not. Um, but what is, what is a blessing 
of being mixed? What is the blessing of being mixed? Yeah. Oh goodness. There are so many blessings of being mixed. (laughs) (laughs) I love my parents. So for so many different reasons. Um, and I'm so glad that you guys get to hear from them in a bit. I don't know when their episode is going to come out, but they're yeah. so very different from each other. Yeah. And, and my identity is definitely the amalgamation of the two of them. Yeah. While adding a bit of JJ. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, but the, the largest part of it is that it's an amalgamation of two cultures. And so it's, for me, being mixed really embodies looking at Canada, trying to say, I am Canadian. I deserve to be here. We deserve to be here. We deserve to be family, not just friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what you're we, talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, JJ's parents, uh, J- Jim and Christine. Christine, yeah. Mm-hmm. They are going to be sharing their stories of love. Uh, and family on the Mix and the Six uh, social media platform for Loving Day. So look out for that coming up June 12th or, you know, throughout the this first couple of weeks of June, <laughs> which is right now. So hopefully you've been following us. Uh, but yeah, I'm really excited and honored to share their story. Uh, and my other question is, what would you say to your younger self now? I would say, don't show shave off your hair because your curly hair is awesome. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. <laughs> it is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and JJ, you have your songs coming out June seventeenth. Half. That's right. Yeah. How can yeah, people? It's going to be on all platforms. Uh, it's going to be on on Spotify and Apple Music. TikTok, all that stuff, um, and uh, and I'm going to be doing a live performance actually on on the 17th as well on Music City North. They're a little they're a festival, an indie music festival that runs things on Instagram. They have awesome artists from all over the entire globe come and perform, and so I'll be singing and doing that song there. So you can definitely check out the whole set. Awesome, yeah, and that's going to be streamed yeah. online. It will be. It'll be live streamed online. Yeah. Yes. June 17th. Amazing. I love your song and thank you for sharing it with us. And how could people follow you and, and connect and interact with your work? Yes. Uh, so my handle is John O'Josh, uh, J-O-N-O-J-O-S-H, all one word. So that's on all the different platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can find me there, John O'Josh. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing so much of your story, your journey, and your insights that are just, I'm just thankful and grateful to to know you and to have you on the show and hope that you come back sometime too. Oh, I'm always happy to talk with you, Gina. You are such a part of a piece of fresh air. It's so great, honestly. Um. Yeah. Well, takes one to no one. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, JJ. Peace out. See you soon.
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Mix in the Six podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. And if you do, do not forget to subscribe, comment, and share the love to keep bringing more stories, insights, and cool perspectives from the mixed community. And if you or someone you know is a fellow mixie and want to share your unique story and are up to awesome stuff, we want to hear from you for a potential feature. Look below in the show notes for more info. Much love to you and see you soon. Hey.